It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. We are back with another episode of the Take Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield, with my co-host, Stephen O'Rourke. Steve, I'm officially back from Senior Bowl week. It was a good Yeah, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we had some fun. Got to get some eyes on players, which is personally my favorite part of the whole week is you get to see players in an environment you don't normally get to see them in. Um, It's kind of like – it's really cool because I think as evaluators, you don't usually get that inside look you don't get to look inside the the overton window a ton in a place yeah. like seeing them thrown into a practice situation where they have new terminologies new lingo maybe even new positions new coaches seeing how they respond to that i think is fascinating and i think you know there's a lot of a lot of people who overrate the senior bowl but there's also plenty who underrate it um, i think if you're using it to find new bits of you know new bits to the story i think it's perfectly reasonable uh, means to do that so I, I get a lot out of the senior bowl and then on top of that we had a bunch of good meetings and stuff like that and um you know got to spend some time with the boss man and and scott and joe and it was fun so love that yeah it's it's a good opportunity to kind of just really see the adaptability of guys which you know obviously is going to be a huge factor for all of them come you know throughout this entire process and then when they get into the nfl so i feel like it's their it's like their first real opportunity to show the world their ability to adapt and kind of like sink or swim moment yeah exactly especially for the quarterbacks like a lot of people really have harsh takes on the quarterback play at senior bowl week and i get it it's never really pretty thinking back to like the the herbert jordan love jalen hurts year like they had moments sure but like these guys are never you know they've never thrown to these skill players they've never you know, a lot of times it's completely new terminology and they're responsible for communicating those play calls to their team. So it really is a, a deck stacked against them kind of weak. So to see if anyone yeah. stands out at all among quarterbacks, it's usually a good sign for, for their future. And and to that point, you know, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, those guys really thrive senior bowl week. Josh Allen, you know, really thrive senior bowl week. He ends up becoming what the third quarterback off the board. They are fourth, actually fourth quarterback yeah. off the board of the year and you know obviously he should have been higher than that but senior bowl week gave us a good window into into josh and you know i think maybe teams should have uh taken more out of that week <laughs> so, <laughs> um well let's move on we got like uh action-packed show for you guys today we will kind of touch on the senior bowl at the end of the show or, or sorry the super bowl i said senior bowl the super bowl at the end of the show i don't want to talk about it at all I'm not looking forward to the Super Bowl. I might not even watch it live, but we'll get into that at the end. Um, before we get to that, though, we want to do some coaching cycle roundup. want to get into some uh, end-of-season awards for Steve and I that we're going to hand out. Um, yeah, so let's dive right in. Steve, the coaching cycle is officially over, um, outside of like filling staff, but the, the head coach positions are all filled. We had yes. eight, freaking eight. That's one-fourth of the league, people. 25% of the league changed over this year. Some of them were kind of legacy replacements and Pete Carroll retiring and, well, kind of retiring. It sounds like he might work in the Seattle front office. We're not really yeah. sure. Belichick kind of being forced out, but those guys are both old and into their 70s. 
Um, yeah, so let's just start with the Patriots. They, you know, move on from Bill Belichick. Seems it seems sort of mutual. Um, they they replace him with a guy in house, Jared yep. Mayo. Big fan of Jared Mayo. One of my favorite Patriots of all time. Uh, I believe he won three Super Bowls wearing that uniform. I kind of I kind of like it, Steve. I kind of like it. What do you What did you think of the Mayo hire? I'm a big fan of it. I think that. If anything, it's this is going to be kind of, and I have no like really no basis off of this other than you know I briefly met Jared Mayo once, but um, <laughs> I like I think this is it's going to be a culture shock for the team. I think he's going to be different than Belichick and different than any other Belichick disciple, Belichick coaching tree type guy. I think it's going to be I think it's going to end up being a really good hire, and I think it's going to end up working out well for them because I think. What he has that so many other Belichick coaching tree guys don't have is playing experience. And I think yeah. that that he's, I think that that is going to be such a benefit to him as a coach, because I think he's going to be able to marry the, the like style that Belichick, you know, ran with for however many years. And he's going to be able to marry it with the ability to say, well, I also know what, parts of his style really ground down different players and made it like, you know, not the most, not the biggest like free agent destination, kind of a grind. Like you have to fit the mold. I think he's going to kind of change that a little bit. So I think overall, yeah. I, I, this is one of, this is probably one of the hires I feel best about out of all eight. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree. So the one thing, that was always tough with Belichick is like he he's not palatable to a lot of people and right. the the mindset uh, I think the values he taught were great it's just the application of them were were interesting and I think we're heading yeah. to this era in the NFL where you are seeing the player coach make a return it's like the late 90s again where like a lot of the guys getting hired, a lot of the successful coaches you're seeing in the NFL played in the NFL. I mean, you see, you'll see it with the Antonio Pierce hire, Raheem Morris getting another job, Jim Harbaugh getting like these are former NFL players. Dan Campbell is the like they didn't win, win the Super Bowl this year, but you can see everybody wanting to take what Detroit is doing. Think about this: how many times at these press conferences, Steve, have we heard the word collaboration? We're looking yeah. for a collaborative effort. That's what Detroit's built here. They built, you know. Eight, they have a staff of eight people that all have a equal say in what's going on. And there is a, you know, Brad and, and Dan kind of run the show, but like ultimately it is a collaborative effort. And I think that's what you're going to see. A lot of, a lot of coaches that can relate to players at a high level and high level motivators, leaders combined with this collaborative effort where um, it's the complete opposite of what the Patriots just went through, where Belichick had the final say on literally everything. Yeah. You know, like, uh, <laughs> you know just lit literally every little detail of the organization went through Belichick first. I don't like, I think we're exiting the era where that's a thing. There's coaches don't need that much control. You want them to focus on their job, which is leading their team. And so um, I think Jared Mayo is a great switch up from Bill because he is a, a former player, played in that stadium for eight seasons and won three super bowls there i think he can relate to the players at a really high level while still yeah. maintaining the the good parts of the culture that belichick built there 
and it's tough. We've never seen J- Jared be, you know, a head coach, so we can't really like a lot of these guys. We won't, we can't really give you firm analysis. It's more of a gut feeling. Yeah, uh, you know what we think is going to go there. So I agree. Um, Las Vegas Raiders also going with a former player in Antonio Pierce. He was the interim head coach, and then you know after impressing down the stretch, I think uh, I think it was pretty obvious he had earned the right to at least interview for that job. And I, I personally was a fan of him getting the, the gig. He uh, he seems like a dude. Yeah, I think this was a they had, they had to do this. I think it was it's one of those things where clearly Antonio Pierce connected with the locker room in a way that you know the Raiders kind of desperately needed post McDaniels and all that. So I think like no matter what, this was the way they needed and should have gone. And I'm glad they did. Cause it's, it, I think they would have lost a lot of the locker room. I agree. If they, if they hadn't hired him. So, you know, I mean, the proof is there. He did. Yeah. He went five and four as the replacement with, you know, a mixture, a, quarter, a mixture of quarterback play, bad yeah. quarterback play, not a great defense, you know, all, like you said, all in all, you know, kind of begging for talent all over. They got a couple guys, but not a ton. So I think that as long as they, you know, and this goes with most everyone, but, you know, I think he's going to be able to set the culture. Now that's just a matter of, can they get the right, do they have the right GM in place to help support him? But I think that as far as a head coach, you know, he's, he's shown already that he can get the, the most and the best out of his guys, which, like we've said, that's that's the type of coach and the type of personality that everybody's going for right now. And I think they yep. they landed a guy like that. In his quote, he hired this offensive coordinator yesterday. I, I'm blanking on who he hired. Uh, oh, it was uh, Getzy. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> Even his quote about hiring Getzy, I thought was like it. It just reminded me of Dane Campbell. It was just like, you know, to summarize it, it was well, we played the Bears this year and they kicked our ass, and I had no idea who their quarterback was. I had no idea who their running back was. Their best receiver was injured, and they still kept their right. Ass. <laughs> That's right. They lost. To, they lost to Tyson Bajan, didn't they? Yeah. Yep. Lost a Bajan, and I believe like Herbert was on IR. Um, yeah. I don't even think Foreman played that game. Like it was. It was a mash unit Bears offense, and they they beat the Raiders pretty good. So yeah. Um, I th- I just thought it was funny. It was just such like a a bro comment. Like yeah, I mean well game respect game like you know right right with pretty much nobody so i i'll hire him you know Uh, a lot of people are making fun of him for that comment but i I thought it was kind of i thought it was that's that's usually a good you know when when a guy gets one over on you you, and you respect it i I think it's kind of cool so as i say Uh, whether i agree with the getsy hire or not i at least respect the like the ability to you know admit you got beat not that's you know that's even in the NFL, like coaches and all that, there's everybody makes yeah. excuses. Nobody wants to lose, but to be able to like say, like, yeah, we got our asses kicked. So, yep. Instead of letting him go anywhere else, I want him here. Yes, sir. Um, all right. The Tennessee Titans hired Brian Callahan. They pulled him from the Cincinnati Bengals. Callahan had been like a, a big name, I think, the last couple uh, hiring cycles. So, no shocker to see him finally get a job. Um, he was right up there with Ben Johnson in terms of, uh, you know, perceived offensive minds in the league. Also, formerly of the Lions. I'm pretty sure him and Ben were on the staff together, were they not? Oh, really? I didn't know that. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Unless I'm thinking of the wrong Callahan. <laughs> well, Bill, Bill's been in 
Cleveland for a while now. Yeah, yeah. And well, now, now he's now, now he's, now he's with his son. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, anyways, so Titans hire Callahan. We don't know anything about this guy's leadership ability. We also don't know anything about this guy's play calling ability because Zach Taylor calls the plays. And right. So this is really a wild card. Obviously, when you work for a team that has a, a potent offense like the Bengals and uh, an elite quarterback, it's really easy to find a job when you're in that scenario. Yeah. So um, we, I, I don't have much commentary on this, Steve. I don't know. I mean, it, he's, it seems like he's well-respected throughout the league. Obviously, he comes from a, a football lineage. Yeah. But like, we literally have no idea how this could go. Yeah, I mean, good. I think the biggest – benefit of this is he brought over his dad and his dad has absolutely killed it in o-line play in cleveland yep. and that's something that tennessee desperately <laughs> needs is like this is going to be and needs to be offensive line development so that's that's a huge bonus there for yeah. for tennessee going forward it'll be interesting just because the types of players and the schemes that tennessee ran when Vrabel was there is probably going to be vastly different than what Callahan runs. So it's going to be interesting to see how that roster churns and who they hang on to. I think, you know, they're, they're kind of at a point where they're at a near total reset. So it's just going to be interesting to see what, you know, what type of style he goes with, but you're right. It's, you know, with this, you're just kind of hoping for, he brings over the success that Cincinnati had and that, you know, all of that has, just kind of don't like kind of is within him and he's able to bring it to Tennessee. Yep. Agreed. Um, the Carolina Panthers, they go with David Canales, the former Seahawks quarterback coach slash OC. And then eventually the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, OC Canal. So this is a higher, I, I like it again. We don't know anything about him. We've seen him call plays this year, which was good. First time calling plays, right? Yeah. Um, I would say probably a B level play caller this year. First year though, so that's pretty good. A plus level play designer. And then yep. we don't really know anything about his leadership skills. But one thing I will say, the reason I really like this hire is he's kind of building this reputation as a quarterback whisperer. Obviously got yep. like really high level play out of Geno Smith. And then, you know, Baker Mayfield, whose career was seemingly dead. Um, yeah. he got really good play out of Baker Mayfield this year. And I mean, and it's a lot of credit to David, obviously credit goes to Baker as well, but um, you know, when he does it in two different spots with two quarterbacks who were kind of cast offs, it makes you feel good about what he can do for Bryce young, who might've had the worst rookie quarterback, number one overall pick season in a long time. So, um, and what I specifically like about that scheme and what he's going to do, it's a lot of half field stuff. It's a lot of uh, design rollout design boot, Bryce Young, obviously really, really good, easy, light feet. He's really also short, and I know this analysis sounds stupid, but listen, getting short quarterbacks out of the pocket works. Worked for Drew Brees. Uh, Brees is great in the pocket also, but like if you want to really simplify things for a shorter quarterback and you know take some of the, the stress off of him, get him out of the pocket. And Bryce is really, really, really light on his feet, and I think that's going to be a really nice system for him to, to operate from. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you basically mirrored exactly what I was going to say. I I think now all it takes is that if Tepper can just stay <laughs> yeah. the hell out of the way and let 
this new regime that he that they brought in just do their job and he stays out of the headlines. I like what they're doing. I like Dan Morgan at GM. I like Dave Canales at head coach. Like you said, he's I mean, he took he's resurrected two guys' career. He took careers basically. He helped resurrect Gino's career to what he is now and he's helped getting Baker a second contract. And I think that like you said, getting these getting short guys on the move, it's what Russell Wilson built you know, the entire first two thirds of his career off of him before he went to Denver. And I think that that, you know, all of that, I think at least it's going to give Bryce Young a chance, whether he's going to be that guy or is that guy. I think bringing in Canales at least is going to allow you to completely and fully evaluate Bryce Young, which is something that I don't think you really got a chance to do last year amidst the turmoil and BS that was going on in Carolina. Um, all right, the Atlanta Falcons, they take the mulligan here, Steve, and they go with Raheem Morris, who was formerly the interim head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. And um, interesting, both Morris and Dan Quinn got jobs in this cycle because um, uh, Dan Quinn is who Morris replaced in Atlanta, and they opted yep. to not go with their interim head coach, and they hired Arthur Smith. So they opt to take the mulligan here. They go with Raheem Morris. I think the most exciting thing for me about this hire, one, it seems pretty deserved. I think Raheem Morris, you know, a lot of the offensive guys get the spotlight in the coaching cycles. It's all that's yep. who always talked about this year. It was Slowick and and Ben Johnson and Brian Callahan and Canales. But Raheem Morris is one of the most respected coaches in the NFL. Everybody loves that dude. Yeah, I like it. I really like it. And the the perhaps the best part for me is he's bringing over my guy Zach Robinson from LA, who is going to install that you know coveted Shanahan McVay offensive system yeah uh, have the weapons to absolutely maximize that system as well with drake london kyle pitts b john robinson like they could and, and that roster is pretty good it's a little bit on the older side too so i really like hiring an experienced coach here i and rather than going with like a young unproven guy um i i just think they're a quarterback away from really maybe competing like they go get Kirk yeah. Cousins in minnesota or something to run that offense kirk has ran that offense his entire career i mean you're talking about from a seven and ten to maybe an eleven win season, winning that division, competing in the playoffs. Like I really do think that's how close they are with this, yeah. with this move. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, he he's been deserving of a spot like this for a while, and it's good to see that he finally gets a real shot at it. And it, it is funny that it comes with the team that. You know, I think there was when he didn't get hired as interim, there was a lot of uproar about that because he had, you know kind of done the same thing that Antonio Pierce did where he like reset the culture. Everything looked to be good. Players loved him. So I, it it's interesting that, you know, despite all the conversations being around uh, offensive coaches and, you know, needing to bring in an offensive guy that this cycle was much more defensive heavy than I think anybody really thought it would be. But I think Reed Morris five of eight were defensive, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that was that was kind of a shocker. But Raheem, I mean, I think Raheem Morris is going to do well. I think that he's seen the McVay system. He's been in the position before, you know, now, if anything, he just has even more knowledge at his repertoire in his repertoire and could, you know, even take it a step further now. And he did well in his press conference. He seemed to really like set the stage for it, which I think is always a good thing. 
Yeah, I love. I I actually loved. It, it was kind of trolly of him, but like when they said what stands out about where this team's offense is at, he said. <laughs> B. John Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts. Like, I feel like yeah. that was a nod to the fantasy community. Like, I got you. Yeah. You know, like, like, like we're, I've we're been, not going to waste that again, you know? <laughs> I've been paying attention. I know what's going on. Yep. Um, all right. Since we mentioned him already, let's let's go right to, to Washington. They end up hiring Dan Quinn. Um, there was some drama with, with this hire we can get into as well because the reporting on this has just been a nightmare. Oh, my um, gosh. Washington, clearly they wanted Ben Johnson. Yeah, uh, pretended like they were also interested in Aaron Glenn. Apparently, they weren't actually interested in that. Um, and they, you know, Ben basically told them no, he wasn't interested. And Washington proceeded to throw a hissy fit and sort of slander Ben in a way. Like, yeah, I mean, how many excuses did they come up with? He was asking for too much money, and then it was like it was just one thing after another. The thing that really stood out to me, though, Steve, beyond what was actually said is that the Washington, the way the story's been covered is like the 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 writers, the the media people are carrying water for this Washington commander's regime, which I knew they did that under Snyder. I just thought with Snyder gone now, they would all have opened their, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just thought that was the weirdest part. It's like they, they how did they convince all these beat writers to to write these pieces? That was the weirdest thing to me because it was clear like anyone with a brain could put two and two together and feel like this was just a complete copium, you know, PR. Yeah, hit. they got so. butt hurt. They got mm-hmm. butt hurt. You know, it's they thought they had their guy. He pulled out and he pulled out the last second, and they got butt hurt about it because yep. it threw off their it threw off everything they wanted to do. It's, I mean, yeah, to then to even have like that is like Schefter's going out there and it's like, oh, this is going to damage Ben Johnson's reputation amongst um, this community. It's like, again, obviously Ben Johnson made this decision for himself. You can't, he's, he's a human being. You can't force him into any decision. Like why, if you're, if you're Washington, is it better if you went out there and did the two hour interview and then he told you after it's like, right. I mean, like, how, I don't understand. Like, I get it. They were in the air or they were going to get in the air and they were going to travel there and yada, yada, yada. Oh man. You made us. They also, had our inter- time. they also had an interview on the books with Aaron Glenn though. I know. I, so I know, which again, like they, it's more telling about them because they're showing their hand. Cause it's like, okay, so clearly you didn't care that much to interview him. Cause you threw a hissy yeah. fit. You were coming here. You're going there anywhere to interview two two guys. Like it just yep. the whole thing of it just reeks of like, well, we don't want to be the ones that look like we lost it. We want to make we want to make it look like he he lost the opportunity. We were the ones who you know, like that got yep. wronged here. When in reality, it's like it's you know like it's he's a human. He needs to make the best decisions for him and his family and his life. And clearly, you know, whatever the obviously like Ben Johnson, his he's obviously had to kind of um, combat it a little bit. And you've seen some stuff that has come out of Johnson's camp where like that. I think the quote was they seemed a little bit too much like basketball people and like they knew everything. And there's just it's just this this competing narrative. And but end of the day, I, I don't know it like just 
you didn't get him and he didn't want to go there. And, you know, whether that's your fault or previous regime's fault or just not anyone's fault and he wants to do what's bad, he wants to do it for himself. It just, I don't know. And then I think so, they proceeded to botch it when they went with Quinn. I think oh. going this going going this good old boys route is the exact thing that every other team is trying to get out of the get away from. I mean, the the changing of the guard in Seattle, which you know, different situation there in New England, but like you can see the team at least the teams that are doing well are taking chances with different guys less some less experienced but just like different personalities and i think that going with the you know going with quinn longtime guy good old boy he's yeah. bringing in all his people it just like i don't know they double because they end up yeah, with Kingsbury as their head as their offensive coordinator now yeah that too oh my god i forgot about i forgot about that yeah which again it's like so transparent what the thought process is behind it it feels I don't, like i don't know how you hire this all like uh, this collaborative effort of all these you know nba execs and then they still had mayhew in the building and all these people part of this oops the search to then come up with dan quinn and cliff kingsbury as your guys like that was weird i know you know ben johnson stuff aside there was still mike vrabel out there yeah like and I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of retreads, but Mike Vrabel absolutely deserves an, another head coaching job. He'll get one too. Hundred percent. Didn't happen this year. It's going to happen next, and maybe the year off will actually suit him well because he can refresh um, and maybe evolve a little bit. Yeah, I just don't like you know I don't like the Dan Quinn thing. I know he took a team to the Super Bowl, um, and it is what it is what it is. But I think it's pretty clear he's best suited as a defensive play caller. Um, yeah, this was actually the the Quinn hire was the only one of the cycle I just did not like. Like, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it, one, it's the only one where I was like, you know what, this is just doesn't it doesn't feel like a good hire to me. Yeah, so yeah, I completely agree. It, it's just like I don't know, you know what you're getting with Quinn, and you know the big the big thing that Quinn did was that in Atlanta was that you know he kind of helped find Kyle Shanahan, and that's what you know helped evolve that team and you would have hoped that he would have been able to find a guy, but I just like, we know what Cliff Kingsbury is. We know what his offense is. And yeah, I just, it's, I don't know. They're, they're, what I was going to say about that is they're clearly posturing for Caleb Williams. I think a hundred percent. Absolutely. Try to, try to get to number one, or maybe even if Williams doesn't go number one, which I do think that's a possibility that, um, you know, I'm sure I'll be talking about all draft season here, but, um, cause I don't, uh, Caleb's not going to be my QB one. So, um, and I, I know that there's going to be other NFL teams who agree with that. Yeah. Anyways, not to get into draft talk. I do think that the Kingsbury thing is clearly just a posture to get, to get Caleb Williams. Um, yeah, it's the hope. To get him in the building. Like he, yeah. He was Caleb Williams offensive coordinator this past year. So they yeah. have a, a pretty good relationship. Um, all right, moving on the Seattle Seahawks go with one Mike McDonald, former Michigan defensive coordinator, former Baltimore DC as well. Um, this is another young blood hire. Again, not going with the status quo guys, not going with the good old boys club. This is a, a young gun. I like the hire. I really especially like it because Seahawks have some really, really fun pieces on defense that I think yeah. McDonald can maximize. 
Yeah. Um, so we're talking about a, a team that already has a certain identity. Really, really like that. And they're talking about bringing in Chip Kelly as the OC now. Yeah. Like I even like that. Like that's taking Pete Carroll's legacy and what everything he wanted. And it's like it's just making it better. Because so I think Chip's a better yeah. play caller, play designer than Pete Carroll. I think McDonald gets them back to Legion of Boom kind of vibes where it's like this really, you know, awesome defense with all these, you know, positionless defenders. And that's that's what yeah. they're gonna do. It just it just feels like a really good hire. I thought this was one of the the sneaky good hires of the cycle. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think that they, that was it, with all these defensive coaches. It's I think after they got hired, a lot of it outside of the Dan Quinn, a lot of people are like this. You know, if you were going to go with the defensive coach, these are the guys you would go with. Yep. And the nature with hiring a defensive coach, the second biggest thing, one B to hiring the coaches, who are they going to bring in as their OC? And I think that, like you said, if they do go with Chip Kelly, I think that he's proven that he can call plays in the NFL. He's run decent offenses in the NFL. He just got bogged down, you know, doing everything else that is involved with being a head coach. So I think that being able to get him in the NFL and have him solely play, solely call plays, I think gives it an opportunity gives this team an opportunity to continue going upward. I'm just, I'm interested to see what they do at the quarterback position. I think that's going to be a very interesting thing to see if they decide to build around Gino, if they decide to go a different direction and go with a different court with a young quarterback or even a different quarterback at some point. But I think the pieces are, the pieces are all there to do well. And like you said, I completely agree that he's the weapons that he gets on that defense are all intriguing. And yeah, he's shown that he can maximize the best out of even like, you know, just basic starter level guys, not even like the elite guys, but just guys who can play. He can get the most out of. Yeah. I'm just like, I already loved Devin Witherspoon before this hire and and he's McDonald's going to make him a freaking superstar. I mean, that's anyways. Um, the, yeah, the last whatever you think about what you saw with Kyle Hamilton. And I think that, even take that up a notch because I think Witherspoon, I mean, I mean, I know Witherspoon's a better athlete than Kyle Hamilton. So I think that that's, it's going to be fun to see how he utilizes him. Yep. Um, all right. The last one to talk about here is the Los Angeles chargers. They hire Jim Harbaugh, the defending national champion coach from college football um, from the university of Michigan. I, I love this hire. I think Harbaugh is a proven culture builder. You know, he did it everywhere he's been. Uh, San Diego State is that where he started, right? And then he went to Stanford, yeah. and then he went to the 49ers, and then he went to Michigan. Everywhere he goes, he wins and and builds a culture. Now there are some arguments to be made that um, sometimes at the NFL level, that culture can be short lived because of his personality. I do think that was true yeah. in San Francisco. Jim's personality has changed dramatically since then. He is not. Yes. The ornery, ornery type of my way or the highway guy he used to be. Um, something changed in him during the COVID season in 2020. Talked to all of his players yep. from Michigan. They all agree with that. Like There was a distinct change in his mentality and the way he represented himself. I think I think that's going to serve him very well at the NFL level. And he's, he's an older guy, too. He's not in his 70s, but he's, what, 61? Something like that. So like, yeah, he's, I mean, he's getting up there. Yeah, so you're not looking for a guy who's going to be there for 20 years, anyways. So it's kind of like right. But man, if you're if you're a Justin Herbert fan, you have to be excited about this. 
Harbaugh, you know, the Greg Roman thing, like I really like this combo here. I actually his whole staff, uh um Mike Minter bringing over from from Michigan as well. He's put together a really really good staff. I think Greg Roman gets a bad rap because um Lamar kind of struggled to take the next step under him. But yeah. the Roman offense has produced every single place he's been. I think uh Scott actually yeah. Scott Barrett tweeted a yards per attempt average with and without Roman for every quarterback he's coached. It's dramatically worse when Roman's not calling plays. Um, I think some of the Baltimore stuff too was like their their unwillingness to give Lamar weapons was a bigger indictment than Greg Roman calling plays. Um, right. He does have a very unique system. You know, he's going to, and, and it, by the way, it fits with Harbaugh's identity, like to the T, right? He's going to put a fullback 100%. on the field. You know, like it's, yeah, there's a reason these two guys like coaching together. And there's a reason Greg was with Jim's brother for so long in Baltimore. Like it just fits the identity of what they want to do. So I actually think this yeah. is huge for Herbert. Yeah, he might not be dropping back 50 times a game anymore, but I think the efficiency is going to be insane. I think you're going to see Herbert as a runner a lot more. Like I, I really yeah. do like this this move for for the Chargers. Yeah, and I think he's the perfect guy because the Chargers are in overall a weird place as a team. I think that Telesco and uh, Brandon Staley kind of put them in a – set these guys up for a difficult position where they have a lot of aging guys. They have a lot of big contracts. It's it's going to be a, like a decent amount of churn, yet the expectations are still high because you have Justin Herbert in the building. And so I think with that, with how – complex the roster building is for that team as far as making sure it stays competitive and making sure they don't you know continue to waste justin herbert's you know (laughs) young years um i think that this is this is a great uh crew to help you know resurrect the team and keep them competitive and keep them in the playoff hunt amidst trying to semi I mean, basically semi-rebuild this roster. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think the offense should be okay. Maybe they need to add, like, a, a good receiver. I actually, in our yes. uh, free agents, like, places I'd like to see guys land, I think Hollywood Brown would be a really nice fit there. That'd be fun. Uh, he obviously played for Roman in Baltimore. And I know verbally had previously said he did not like playing in that offense because it wasn't enough pass volume. Um, I think with Herbert, though, that could – I think there'll be I a happy medium. As I there. say, yeah. this is would would this be the first like pa- this would be the one of the first pass first quarterbacks that Romans worked with in a like in yeah. his career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the NFL previously it was Kaepernick and then Lamar Jackson. So and then yeah, Tyrod Taylor, so. Tyrod Taylor before that. Yeah. So like yeah. So like this is his first opportunity to really for us to really see and have him flex his chops as in the passing game, because, you know, I mean, early years, Lamar, you know, he needed to make sure he was comfortable and in what he was, you know, in what he came up with to help ease the transition. Kaepernick obviously was not a prolific passer, but was an amazing runner. And so it'll be, it's, I'm interested to see because he's clearly shown he can maximize the strength of a quarterback it's just now the strength is different in a spot that he hasn't had before. So how, you know, how is he going to help evolve that pass game? Cause obviously we've, you know, a lot of people have gone against Roman and even, even, you know, I've even said stuff where, you know, I wasn't a big fan of his passing schemes, but you know, now that he has a guy that he can trust his arm, trust his, 
trusted decision-making. He, he isn't a young guy. Cause again, outside of Tyrod Taylor, who, you know, replacement level guy, Lamar Jackson was super young. Colin Kaepernick was really young. And so to have a guy who has some experience in the league yeah. doing the whole thing, you know, how, how does that offense look and how does he build it out around Herbert? As far That's as a great point. It's a great point. I also look like Roman has some really good vertical passing concepts in his playbook. Um, and we've been desperate to see Justin Herbert with some really good vertical passing concepts. I mean, he yeah. might actually get to run dagger a couple times next year, Steve. Like, <laughs> I think that I think they should run dagger twelve times a game with yeah, Herbert. I, and I and, and I'm and I'm mildly. only mildly I'm only mildly being facetious on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, we agree. Slam dunk there. Cool. Let's move on to the we gotta blow through these awards, Steve. So yeah. let's, we'll we'll kind of save the in-depth combo. I don't think any of these are gonna be super surprising. We might disagree on a couple, but yeah, um, anyways. Do you wanna do you wanna start at the bottom or the top? Like do you wanna go, go comeback player of the year or start with MVP? Let's go bottom top. All right, comeback player of the year. Should I, I'll just I'll just preface it with this: Demar Hamlin touched the football field this year, so he's going to win. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think well, that's, if, uh, if, if he had just converted that fourth down, that would have, that would have set it off. Not that even though it's a regular season award, yeah, it, I think it would have cemented it. But yeah, yeah, I don't. No. You can't not give it to him. If I would throw it, like just say, you know, for whatever reason, we're just not talking about. Demar Hamlin players, I would go Baker Mayfield probably, because he was literally yeah. dead. Played for what three teams last year, and then and then now it looks like he might get a, a contract from Tampa, which is nice. So yeah, I mean, people uh, were talking at the beginning of the year. People were saying how the Buccane- I was saying how the Buccaneers might be the worst team in the NFL. Yep, and, and they said, you know, not so fast. They Steve. won the division. Yeah, yes, they did. They won the division and won a playoff game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah. Joe Flacco is another big name. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I, I agree. With, I agree with Joe Flacco's take, where he's like, I didn't come back from anything. I came back from being on my couch because nobody wanted me on their team. Came back from the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like he got a good chance. He played well. He, you know, he played like Joe Flacco plays. But I think that yeah, I, it's. I, I don't I, like the thirty-eight-year-olds comeback player of the year award. Yeah. No. No, he can't. Yeah, he, he was on the Jets for a while. You know, yeah. that's every a lot of a lot of different a lot of players come back from that. Yep. All right, Coach of the Year. This came down to two guys for me. Like you could toss a name in a hat, I wouldn't be mad about it. I think I have to check my bias though, and I'm going to go D'Amico Ryan's over Dan Campbell. This is tough. Like even just saying that out loud, it hurt a little bit. I think maybe Dan should win it, but the. I think when you so the Lions did have relatively high expectations this year. I think everyone yeah. expected them to win the division. Um, yeah. Now I don't know that they expected them to take the 49ers one play away from the Super Bowl, but that said, I think versus expectations, D'Amico Ryan's accomplished more. I think pretty much everyone expected them to be a bottom three team in the league, and they made the playoffs and were competitive all year. He got that defense with not really any dudes playing really well. C.J. Stroud, yada yada yada. I think you kind of have to give it to D'Amico Ryan's. See, I went Stefanski. Did you really? I did. Right. Okay. I think that because the because he had like seven quarterbacks and yeah, he did it with he won with almost every single quarterback that got behind center and you know That's they high. I mean 
they had injuries up and down the roster throughout the year. By the end of it, I think they had like 11 different guys that got consistent playing time that were on IR, um, brought them to the playoffs. I, I think that I just, his, the body of work there and, you know, you could argue they dug their own grave by going after Watson, but I just think that the ability to get that, get the year out of that team that they got was impressive. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously he's uh, he's behind a lot of the offense. And so for him to, other than the one DTR, other than the one DTR game where it felt like, like, ah, it's a rookie. I don't know why we're throwing the entire, why it feels like we're throwing the entire full scheme at, or making him run the, the full scheme instead of, you know, <laughs> making it a little bit easier on him. Other than that game, I thought that, you know, he was able to get the most out of the quarterbacks that, you know, yeah. getting what he got out of Joe Flacco was kind of a re- revelation and, Losing Nick Chubb, who's a huge part of that team, and just he weathered a lot of storms throughout this year, and to be able to come out of it with, I think they had eleven wins, was super impressive. Because I think there were there were many times where, you know, I, I, even you know, even I thought, and a lot of other people thought, where it's like, okay, this is where this is the point where the Cleveland Browns die. All right, this is the point where the ship goes down, and it just never sank. It just stayed atop the water, and. It was, it, yeah. I thought it was an impressive. It was an impressive job of coaching to get that team to what they did. Fair enough. Um, defensive rookie of the year. I went with Philadelphia Eagles defensive tackle Jalen Carter. You know, you can make an argument for Devin Witherspoon. You could make an argument for Brian Branch. I just think ultimately, you don't see D tackles come in and immediately establish themselves as a top five guy in the league, and that's what Carter did. Yeah, I went um, just because I had a feeling you'd go co- uh, not that uh, Jalen Carter. I went Kobe Turner. I thought okay. that the way he finished the year, and that that is, <clears throat> I think part of the reason why, and I I, I actually wanted him over Jalen Carter, but that the reason that I chose him over Jalen Carter is that Kobe Turner finished the year really really strong, and yeah. it felt like Jalen Carter kind of fell off toward the end of the year, and I thought that. Let's well, ascension- for the entire Eagles team there, Steve. <laughs> What? Yeah, I mean, yes, it does. They all kind of know, but I, I don't know. I don't know how much of that, and it, it it'll be interesting because there obviously were a lot of concerns about Jalen Carter coming into the draft. I mean, it was yeah. pretty pretty well documented. So it, it's it's interesting. To, does he feed off the energy of the team? And you know, was a little bit of that downfall in an an effect of just the see this the turmoil that seemed to kind of befall that team toward the end of the season i wonder if that was if that kind of got into it a little bit and you know is he affected by that but i just thought that yeah Kobe turner really came on strong at the end of the year and getting a getting a guy who can pass rush next to aaron donald is crazy a cheat code and i think it's a great way to like pro even prolong aaron donald's career getting a getting a good D tackle next to Aaron Donald prolongs and gives him the ability to play a couple years longer because, because now you can't put as much focus on him because you have to worry about the guy next to him. Aaron Donald's going to be a lion next year. What are you talking about? <laughs> That'd be, <laughs> I don't know. That would, that would, uh, what, Oh, what could have been? Yeah. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. So I had three guys I thought were really strong candidates. Obviously, um, two of them playing Detroit. Uh, actually, 
whoa, hold on. There's four guys that were really strong candidates. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> Did yeah, you forget so. the guy that's probably going to win it? Puka? Oh, no. Okay, never mind. I thought. No, no, I forgot okay. Puka for a second. Um, yeah. So I kind of ranked this out, but I did forget Puka. I, th- I think Gibbs is probably last on the list just because he plays running back. Um, Sam Laporta and Puka would be a toss-up to me now that I'm remembering yeah. Puka. Uh, I know Puka had a historical season, but so did Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta beat every rookie tight end record there freaking is. Um, and yeah. actually, in, in a vacuum, Laporta's record-breaking season for his position was more impressive than Puka's in a lot of ways. Yes. So um, I probably wouldn't lean Laporta there if it was up to them. But it's not up to those two guys. It's CJ Stroud, um, who we already mentioned with the Coach of the Year combo. I think he's got to win it just because he's a rookie quarterback that led his team to the playoffs when the expectations were you're a bottom three team. I, I don't know who I don't know how you give it to any other guys. And I know it wasn't a record-breaking season, but quarterback is so important and Stroud just looks so awesome. So yeah, I got I mean, everything about his season was incredibly impressive. It just I mean the comeback drives that yep. he led and the poise didn't have a didn't have the you know a stellar offensive line was able to elevate the weapons a lot there were a lot of questions about the receiving room now you feel really good about Collins and Tank Dell and it's like okay if they can get one more you know guy who's better than Robert Woods or Noah Brown like yeah. that offense could take off completely I mean Dalton Schultz played well in the offense it was all a product of CJ Stroud's ability and so, yeah, I think it's it's a no-brainer. It goes to Stroud. But, I mean, it's – I think that every – like, people don't realize how impressive Laporta's season was. Yep. I think that with how well he's done, we – like, the lens has changed a little bit. And you have to remember how hard it is for a rookie tight end. And what he did and the ability to – be a three down tight end and you know that's the thing that people develop develop as a run blocker the way he did because there were a lot of questions about him as a run blocker and he came on times for sure he he did he i mean we i forget which game it was but there's the one of the games early in the year he couldn't hit a inside zone split block to save his life and he was getting (laughs) he was getting roasted on on uh gh counter just like yeah you were wondering like what where are they gonna have to spell him with brock right and his ability to develop there was impressive so either like Some, yeah Stroud wins he, it he was pulling a hawkinson yeah Miss, missing those split blocks pulling a hawkinson <laughs> but yeah it's it's cj stroud i mean that the houston team's yeah. a rocket ship and he it's him and D'Amico ryan's against the world yep all right, moving on. Defensive player of the year. Um, oh yeah, I went Miles Garrett. I, I thought this was obvious. Miles yeah. Garrett missed some time. The defense wasn't nearly as good. When he came back and was on the field, he was insane. Um, I just think that defense was near historical for most of the year, and he is so freaking good. He's, I think he's by far the best player, defensive player in the league right now. Um, He's just really fun to watch. It's nobody. Yeah, I, I think like Mike is awesome. TJ's awesome. Nick Bose is awesome. Donald is still awesome. 
I feel like teams aren't giving them the level of attention they're giving Miles Garrett. Like you can see offensive coordinators trembling when Miles Garrett. In fact, their that defense's average time to throw against them was uh, the splits are insane with Garrett on the field and with Garrett off the field. It's like they yeah. are literally completely changing the way they call plays when Garrett's on the field. And I don't think you can say that about the other teams or the other guys I mentioned. So I'm going Miles Garrett. Yeah, I went Miles Garrett too. I think it, Good. he's the most impressive athletic specimen we've seen in a long time. And he uses it, he uses it well. I mean, the, go if you peruse Brown's Twitter, you can, you know, everybody sings his praises. But the biggest thing this year was I think I saw like three different two minute cut ups of every time Miles Garrett got hold. Obviously, not all of them were holding, but there were a decent amount. And it's, you can tell where it's like, in the referee's position, if they call the hold every time Miles Garrett got held, I think that the game would come to a screeching halt. And so they have to allow, they, you know, they're giving allowances to offensive linemen to, you know, help keep the game moving almost. But he's, I mean, he's completely dominant. He has every move in his arsenal. He's, I think he's just about, he's probably in the midst of his prime. And I think he's going to be a contender for this for, at least three or four more years, I bet. Yes. All right. Offensive player of the year. I went with this is this is tough. I had two guys really wanted to give it to. I ended up going with um Christian McCaffrey. I thought about Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill is more valuable from like a roster building, you know, whatever perspective. But the season CMC had is just <laughs> it's too hard to I don't know for me to not think he's the offensive player of the year. Oh, and I purposely didn't go with the quarterback, by the way, because I think that's lame. Yeah. I mean, I, I went Tyreek Hill. I figured just, you would. Yeah, I went Tyreek Hill just because that Miami offense is nothing Guns without him. Them. Yeah. And, no, that's fair. That's fair. And if if not for, you know, getting dinged up toward the end of the year, I think he probably would have ended up hitting 2,000. Obviously, we can't play the what-if game, but – McCaffrey I mean, still. Steve. I know you're right. 2,000 total yards and 21 touchdowns. Yeah, I'm getting mad, now. I'm getting mad that you picked Tyreek. <laughs> I again, I think that he he had a great year and he's he's the the spoon that serves the drink of the Miami offense. So yeah, I just give it. A, I give that a step up because I give it a step up there because if if McCaffrey wasn't in San Fran, they could still get to be and be. Not admit, not obviously not as good, but could still be good. I think that Miami without Tyree Kill would have been probably. I think he's worth about four wins. Whoa, official, unofficial. Steve O'Rourke war stat. He gave him Tyree Kill <laughs> yeah. four on the war chart. That's that would be the highest ever for a non QB. I think it uh, probably would be. That's yeah. That's not an official stat. That's yeah. this year. I think he was he might not be wrong. Though. I mean, he he might be. Did McCaffrey miss games this year? Did he not? I don't. I thought I don't he did. He did. Did he? No. No. Okay. He didn't. He didn't. Wait. He may have missed one. Yeah. He didn't play the final game of the season. Do. Well, that I mean, that's not that's not necessarily missing. That's just well, no. That he even played though. Didn't he play the last game of the year because they were trying to? No, that's no. they were they played him at the end of one of the games because they were trying to keep his touchdown streak going. Yeah. That was earlier in the year. Yeah, um, MVP. I went with Lamar Jackson. 
I know it didn't end well in the playoffs. It's not a it's not a postseason award though. It's a regular season award. I thought weeks one through eighteen, Lamar Jackson was the best QB on the field for the whole season. Yeah, I went. Um, it was for me. It was between Lamar and Dak, and I went Dak. Did you really? Yeah. Like you, you said, did? regular season. Yeah. Regular season you award. Dak Prescott. Yeah. I think he had a good, he had a good year. He had a great year. I think like, it was Rain Dakota Prescott. That's his real name. If you don't mm-hmm. know that, yeah, it is. <laughs> Rain Dakota Prescott. Yeah, just, it just the like he did it without a competent run game. I think that they put up a ton of points. They were one of the best teams in the NFL in the regu- regular season, and he was. I overall, he was pretty phenomenal this year, and I think he he again not including playoffs. He answered a lot of questions. I think he silenced a lot of doubters during the regular season. I maybe would have agreed until like week 15 when he played Buffalo. And then he crapped the bet on the one seed by losing to Buffalo and Miami and back-to-back weeks. But yeah, I can't forgive him for that. We're going to have to cut this part of the show out though, because if Chris Wecht sees this, he might, he might quit. I know. Like, I, know, I can't it's okay. the guy who think Dak was the MVP of the league. <laughs> I know he's he's gonna lose his mind, but it's okay. He's 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 gonna be he's gonna be too busy with a kid here in the in the next couple of days to be able to worry, worry about who I chose as MVP. That could actually be happening, like you know, any any moment actually. So yeah. Um. All right, Chris. I mean, oh my god! I just called you. <laughs> you got me thinking about Chris and how mad he's going to be when he listens to this. Um, let's. Uh, oh god, we have to talk about the Super Bowl before we go. All right, yeah, I talk about it a little bit. I Much can't. to your dismay. I'll, here's what we'll do: I'll mute my microphone. <laughs> you talk about the Super Bowl when you're done. Just give me a thumbs up. I'll come back and get us out of the show. Yeah. Is this so good? No. Um, so the next seven the next seven minutes are solo with Steven. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't it's it's probably not a surprise. There's a lot of people who feel the way I do, and it's being a little a little dramatic, but I'm just not excited about the Super Bowl. I hate both teams so much. I don't even use the word hate that often. I, I the word hate is banned in my house. Like my kid's not allowed to say, I hate roast beef or whatever. Like like yeah. it, the word hate is banned in my house, and I'm saying hate a lot right now. I hate both of these teams equally. I hate the whole Taylor Swift spectacle. I hate the 49ers. I hate their cocky, arrogant, excuse-making mentality. It really drives me insane. I have no interest in watching this game. I don't want to see the Chiefs win because of the Mahomes dynasty that's brewing. I don't want to see the 49ers win because I don't like their mentality. I'm I'm just out. So I mean, I hate to break you. Like, I, th- I think the Mahomes. I think the Mahomes dynasty is brewed. I think it's yeah, done. I know. It's, good. I know it. it's there. I, I, it's cute. It's cute to pretend like this is what he needs to do yeah, to yeah. cement it. I think it's there. He's not going anywhere. Um, oh, he could. I think he could bigger, lose this game, and it would still be a still be a, a dynasty. It would, it would affect him zero percent because he might be in eight more. Yeah, exactly. but uh, I, I, I all like obviously it is a, a, a narrative of like. We've seen these teams before. They were both the. I think they were both near preseason favorites to get there. I'm ex, I'm the reason I'm excited for this game is that the team that wins actually both teams are gonna they're gonna be full villain mode, and I think that's gonna make next oh year fun. The, like both well, of these I teams. Don't watch it. 
They're like, I know, I know. It's not a, there's no hero story in this. It's just two villains beating yeah. the crap out of each other. And like, where's the fun in that? Um, but I, I think that the team that comes out, either both teams, winner, loser, both teams are not going to stop talking throughout the offseason. I hope it's a close game just for the sheer fact that I want to hear the excuses from the losing team. And I want to hear the, uh, the shut the hell up. We beat you anyway from the other team. And I think it'll be, it'll be a fun way to carry through <laughs> into the off season. But I think from a purely football standpoint, it's going to be a good game. I think it's, a, I think it's a super interesting matchup. I think that I, I like the chiefs in this more than yeah, I like the San Francisco 49ers. I think the chiefs have a, I think the chiefs match up well against the 49ers. And I think just the strength of their defense and the way Spags can speed up a quarterback and make a quarterback uncomfortable is going. It's it's a this is going to be a real big moment for Brock Purdy because you know last time he saw a defense like this they got trounced in Baltimore and it's just going to be interesting to see how they adjust to the constant movement, constant threat of blitzing, like all of that. How it'll be interesting to see how Brock Purdy answers the bell on that. Yeah, my my analysis of this game is um is gonna be really, really in depth and it's gonna come down to um something that's gonna go over a lot of people's heads, but I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. That's the yeah. extent of my analysis for this game. I'm just not doing it. Um, like I would never do it with Brady, you know, and he lost three Super Bowls, right? Or two, sorry. Yep. No, he did lose three. Yeah. Right? Or yeah, he lost three, right? Two to the Giants, one of the Eagles, yeah. Yeah, but I still would never. Even if you were to replay those games today, I would still would not bet against no. Tom Brady, and I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes, and that's the extent of my analysis. Go Chiefs! No, you can't. You can't pick against them. Yeah, this, this was the this was the year to this was the year to pick against them, and they didn't let it happen. So now I think it's it, it, this is the point. Like he's entering. It's funny because Brady had the phases of his career, the really good defense into the really good offense into Brady slowly developing into the insane quarterback he was. And it's fun. It's it's interesting to see we're now in like a second phase of Mahomes where first phase of his career was all offense. Defenses were, you know, middling at best. Now he's he's really got to take the reins and, you know, kind of, Put the put the offense on his back and carry the him. To, There's no other. Yeah, to what? And he gets strapped with a really good defense. I'm I'm excited. I can't wait to see. You know the next phase when they. I hope they go back to pure offense and they pick up a receiver this year, like a, a you know, a T Higgins or something, and they just try and go for the offensive explosion again. But yeah, you can't pick against Mahomes. I don't think, and he just Travis Kelsey's coming. Just seeing they they're an experienced team. They're an experienced team who knew how to turn it on, how to turn it on and when to turn it on. And, you know, not many teams have that ability. And, you know, Travis Kelsey has shown he can do it. Rasheed Rice is coming alive. MVS is coming alive. It's just everybody, everybody on that team is putting it together at the right time. So, yep. All right. That's it. You're taking Chiefs. I'm taking Chiefs. Super Bowl Sunday. I may or may not watch it, but we'll be back to discuss it next week. Among some other things we'll discuss, Steve, did you see my QB tiers I dropped on Twitter? I did. I think next week we should break dive into those. 
Yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun. All right. And then you can pick apart my rankings and we'll have fun with that. So, All right. That's going to do it for us. Please go to fantasypoints.com to check out the content. Draft guide coming soon. I'm diving into the tape. We're, we're like, Maybe. we're over 100 prospects deep right now, just starting the write up process. It's fun. I'm, I'm going to be exhausted, it. though. So that's always fun. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, anyways, for uh, Brett Whitefield here and Stephen O'Rourke, we are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.